How you guys doing, Chimia Magic family? This is your host, Mark Karaki. Excited to be bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. This week, I had the privilege and honor of sitting down with Mr. Adebiyi Aromolaran. I am getting better at pronouncing these Nigerian uh, names. Uh, Ade was one of the first employees at Butterwave, but even before that, he had a stellar career in banking tech. Uh, of I think probably almost half a decade before he joined that company as you will hear his story here so by the time Ade was uh, joining Flutterwave he was the right person at the right time to be part of one of Africa's first tech unicorns so this is a great story that is steeped in African banking tech with a, with a focus in, on, on Nigeria and uh, you'll hear how Flutterwave was able to do what they did uh, to lead the way, what, were the, what was the secret sauce behind that company's success and continues to be uh, in that organization. So this is a, a fantastic podcast that will open your eyes around um, the African uh, fintech scene specifically and uh, the opportunities that still exist there. And I really enjoyed recording this podcast with Mr. Ade and meeting him. Just a wonderful person all around. So uh, this is going to be a good one. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Chidi Amaji podcast. Good to have you here. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Um, glad to be here. Yeah, super excited to host you. Uh, I see you, you know, looking at your background as uh, an OG in Africa's fintech, banking tech space. I mean, I, I look at your, your background and I'm really, really excited to learn, learn from you, right? Uh, and I'm sure our audience is really going to enjoy uh, hearing your experiences and, and, and kind of picking your brain, as it were, from you, from your experience in Africa's banking, tech, fintech uh, ecosystem over the last almost 15 years, I would say. So so really excited about this. Uh, you're sitting in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, so how is the weather over there? I know you're, we've, as we've talked before, we got online, you're, you're trying to uh, duck the various variants that are, <laughs> that are showing up on the landscape. How, how are things in Nigeria right now? Um, I'd say same thing. Um, we're going about business as usual, and um, government is trying its best to ensure they educate the populace on staying safe. Um, so and it's December, right? I usually look forward to a lot of partying, but I think um, caution is the word. So we're just trying to stay yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah makes me yeah, makes all sense. It's uh it's a very interesting times that don't seem to be ending. But um yeah, so maybe we, we so you are the head of uh, expansion at D Local currently, um which is a Uruguayan fintech that is expanding globally, I would imagine. Um so what do you do there really? We can start there just to give us a sense what you do there and uh, then we can dive into your background and and work our way up from your history. Um, what I do essentially is to is to help build out the I'd say the network, uh, the infrastructure that would ensure Africa is connected to the to the global play at the local. Uh, and this going into further details means um, identifying countries where where the kind of clients we have have relevant customers, identifying the regulatory um, framework of those countries, identifying how we, what's the strategy for going into that market, um, identifying partners uh, and competitors, 
um, plugging into partners um, and banks. Um, partners could also be other players like ourselves. And, um, mm. and just ensuring that in terms of payments, right, uh, we are connected to the relevant methods, the relevant parties, and we have the right um, legal backing to do what we do. And so I, I oversee this effort across the continent. Fantastic. And they couldn't have found somebody better for that, given that you've already done this before with Flutterwave, which we'll kind of get into. But uh, what does DLocal do? What, what does, what's DLocal's play? It Clearly fintech, but what specifically are you guys, the company, do? Yeah, uh, interesting question. So DLocal is, you know, it, it, we're one of those payment technology companies that uh, we are more focused on enabling our clients to do what they know how to do best, which is to provide services to their own customers. Um, and our clients in this case are your know, Fortune 500 um, technology or um, e-commerce companies. What we do is enable them to receive payments and make payments in local currency in every market uh, that is relevant to them. We do this across over 30 countries, across um, three continents. We started out of LATAM. Uh, so if, mm. uh, an example would be if in Netflix, for instance, right, uh, wanting to receive payments in Kenya or Spotify, uh, if you look at the global landscape or Europe, US, where these businesses tend to dominate, what works is cards. But when you come to Africa, mm. one of the things we talked about earlier is um, people think Africans don't know what they're doing, but the reality is different. We solve our own problems in our own ways. Uh, so right. in Kenya, which I use as an example, what works is Safaricom, right? Mpesa. So it, it kind mm-hmm. of makes mm-hmm. zero sense for a global player to think of, you know, using cards as a collection tool in Kenya. So where we come in is ensure that we are plugged into the relevant players who can provide uh, that service, either to Safaricom directly or through, through banks or other partners. And then mm-hmm. we are able to, you know, extend this capability to someone like Spotify so that they can offer their streaming services to their clients. Otherwise, if you're looking at the, the markets, right, cards will probably account for, say, 5-7% of what happens in payment space in Kenya. That's almost a no, it's a no-no. So DLocal right. ensures that we, we plug in and our clients are able to grow. So that's where we play. The, the, the space between the service provider and our customers, mm. much like every other fintech. Got it. Okay. It's obviously a very fragmented space, a lot of moving parts. So you're trying to harmonize uh, the payment rails and be a buffer between uh, the local payment infrastructure that's dominant and uh, the your clients, right? To create almost like a, a plug and play model so that you can abstract that layer for them. Eh? Absolutely correct. Fantastic. That's great. I can. I, I want to kind of dive into your background really quickly, so we can kind of come up this the stack of of fintech because uh, okay. you know there's so much there's so much happening in fintech across the continent, and you're the perfect person to talk to right now about this topic. So maybe we just really quickly go into your background. Uh, education. I see you studied microbiology at at, at Babcock University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What were you trying to accomplish with that? <laughs> Um, so gr- growing up, I had three, I think I had three career ab- ambitions. Um, two would be interesting to you. One, I mm. wanted to be a footballer. 
Oh no way! Really? <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Every... <laughs> How far did you push that? I retired at the age of seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> you retired before your prime, my friend. Come on, <laughs> early, early, early retirement. <laughs> I didn't have the physical. I didn't have the physical structure. And uh, I, I also didn't have the energy for, for it. So I just said, you know what, I'm not, I'm only kidding myself, no one. Uh, the other <laughs> thing I wanted to do when I was at, at 10 is I wanted to be a pastor. Um, I, I don't oh, know wow. why. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of, yeah. I, I, so I thought, oh, I would love to, you know, speak to people, preach to them, talk to them about a lot of stuff. But, and then the third thing I wanted to be a doctor. So career-wise, oh, wow. uh, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so career-wise, you don't go to school to become a pastor. I don't. God calls you, right? So that, that is, I just mm-hmm. kept that aside. Obviously, I wasn't built for soccer. I could, I can play mm-hmm. it on the consoles, but not in real life. And uh, then doctor. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted mm-hmm. to be a doctor. And uh, I, at the time when I got into school, or the first opportunity that came to me was Babcock. Uh, Babcock didn't have medicine, and uh, so. W- there was microbiology, which is like a preparatory course for medicine. So once you do microbiology, ordinarily you have to advance into research or mm. medicine, uh, as happens in some countries like the US. But then um, mm. in my second year in school, I I realized I didn't have a taste for blood. Uh, uh. I didn't. <laughs> I wanted to go into medicine because I didn't have a stomach people. for it. I didn't have a yeah. taste for. <laughs> At all, at all, I, I, I didn't. And then uh, I realized I was more interested in solving problems. Like, you know, a lot, all my roommates were computer science students, but I told, I then told my parents, I look, can I go back and start all over? And they're like, hey, what, young man, you know, just finish your BS, whatever I want to do with your life, it's up to you. So then yeah. I started learning a bit of process engineering coding from my roommates, but I had to finish my BS in my. So yeah, that's how I. Ended up being a microbiologist, um, mm. and then you know, I I hold this belief, like I said from the onset, if you have a BS, it's a launchpad to any other thing mm. you want to be. So I went on to do a professional accounting exam, and then I got an MBA. In that, while mm. all of this was mm. going on, I got a job with a band. Uh, that mm. was my first job, yeah, with, with first band, and then I worked in the branch. I was twenty one. And that's mm-hmm. where I think my journey into maybe fintech or process or product started. Uh, I was mm. deployed or posted to a branch in a in a residential area. Uh, this was mm. two, there was no ATMs uh, in that branch. Just uh, automated teller machines, and then that mm. branch had a lot of people coming in day in day out across the counter to to collect cash. And here I was, fresh out of school. It, nothing was making mm-hmm. sense to me that in 2005, why are there so many people coming to the banking halls that there has to be a way, right? There has to be something mm. that allows mm. us to, you know. So maybe some of it is that, maybe, like I said, I didn't go into soccer because I'm physically lazy, but I think I have a lot of mental energy. So that's mm. that physical laziness again showing up. Like, why am I mm. sitting down and serving so many people? Like, can't I just, you know, push them to alternative channels that allows them serve, provide, mm. um, get services themselves? So that's where it started. You know what? I engaged my managers and then 
a lot of back and forth between the head office. We got ATMs installed. We started pushing card services to customers. That for me was a victory. That, okay, you know what? People can get to do things for themselves. So moving forward, I started changing how some things happened at the branch. Um, salary postings then were manual. So if you look at how far FinTech mm. has come today, you just sit down at your desk, you do a transfer from your from your app or from wherever. But back then, you mm. have to send some schedule to a bank for someone to do a transfer for you. And that too mm. didn't make sense to me because I'm young and I don't want to stress myself. Like I have got more important things to think about with my head than doing many manual repetitive stuff. So I pushed for automation. Mm. We revamped that process. We built um, a, a salary or a transfer solution within the bank at the time. And then from the branch, I was moved to the head office to uh, manage a payment product because it sort of became clear that this person, you know, is all about transformation. And that's how mm. I got into into payments. Um, and mm. why payments, mm. if you ask? Payments is at the core of everything we do uh, regardless right. i mean every activity ends in a payment so yeah that's kind of how i got into it fascinating story 21 year old walks into uh you know established nigerian bank first bank of nigeria and you proceed to actually catalyze you know transformation there's a couple of things here i have to wonder how is this possible because in kenya uh you know, if you are a young person who has who's who's just joined an established company, you don't have you don't have a say. Nobody's going to listen to you. So either one or two things: either you had a godfather there, or Nigerians are very open-minded. What was what is your secret sauce? How did this happen? Why did they listen to you? Okay, um, so one of the two things I learned early is you'd all you should always have a, um, I would say econ- an economic buyer or somebody who has vested interest in what you're trying to do. I mean, in terms of right. does it does it bring in uh, process efficiency or does it improve his bottom line? That that's revenue, and once you identify mm. who that person is, who has that authority to make the decision, I you pitch you make your pitch to that person, and you said I learned not because Nigerians love change like that, but I learned to sell the idea so that the decision maker um, is able to tap into it and also take ownership. I mean, ultimately, mm. the success and failure of that of that initiative falls or rests on that person's shoulder. So, um, I identified that my branch manager was tech savvy. He had young children, mm. right, mm. Um, who were also interested in the kind of things I was interested in. So, I found it easy to relate with him. So every and then there was also that tenacity. Um, I, I I was quite stubborn. I don't know if I'm still stubborn, but I was quite stubborn. I wouldn't. <laughs> Say if if it's not working, I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's not. It's, mm. it's almost a case of my my way or no other way. Uh, that was then, mm. but now it's a lot different. But but in saying my way or no other way, I would have thought it through. That look, these are the pros, and it outweighs the cons. I mean, in every ramification, in terms of mm. how much money would make as a bank, as a branch, in terms of efficiency, in terms of brand equity, also in terms of right. dragging. Uh, a brand as old as First Bank, 1894, into the modern age. Those were always my uh, my pitches. And look, we we've got these younger banks pushing around these initiatives. Mm-hmm. We can't stay in the past, and this is what I think um, we need to do. So, be and I was also competitive. Then there was mm-hmm. no Godfather. Mm-hmm. It was just that decision maker who I needed to identify and always take 
these initiatives to once the person buys into it he or she knows what necessary steps to take to the at its level and then at the upper um, within the upper cadre of the bank so that's mm. that's always been been the strategy uh, it works even now right we just a few tweaks here and there Right. It's about selling value and, and making a, case, a business case at the end of the day and aligning yeah. interests with, with uh, the stakeholders. So fantastic. I mean, for somebody at, at, to coming out of, you know, at that young age to have that level of strategic insight in terms of how to get things done, where did that come from? How did you learn that? How did you figure that out? Because it's, sometimes it's intuitive, but sometimes you also know, you need to know it's not, it's not, um, some of this is acquired experience. What was the difference for you? How did you figure that out? Um, so one of one of my secret powers, uh, if I'm at I, I know how stuff works. Uh, I don't, which is, which comes down to intuition, that's one. Two, is whilst I was in school, I, I had a lot of um, older and more mature roommates. So I learned mm. a lot from them in terms of communication, and that helped me in my relationship because they were more mature. So I always watched them. I always learned from them how they spoke, um, how they resolved issues, um, even when there were differences, how they went about, you know, engaging. So coming right out of school with that sort of experience, I mean, I had like a 40-year-old man in my room, a father, uh, which mm. for me was very relevant, um, um, I would say, experience to to piggyback up so i always engaged him so coming right out of school into the working environment i already had some knowledge about how to engage what to do and not um, and what not to do uh, of course there's a useful example which is why i said uh, i had this attitude of it's my way or no way uh, but then life just teaches you that okay, if that's how you want to go about it you'll be stuck with your way and no progress so you'd always have to be diplomatic, uh, especially in, in the corporate workspace. Exactly, <clears throat> exactly. So what, a, what a, an amazing career takeoff to actually be part of transformation in a bank. And then you had this, uh, yeah. <coughs> you joined the Financial Re Reporting Council of Nigeria as an assistant manager there. Was that like a, was that like a, a job or part-time thing? What was that about? So, so that, that, that was this stubborn part of me. Uh, I'd, I'd spent quite some years in the bank and I was eager for for change in one bank and, and I was I mean I also have a professional accounting qualification at the time there was a lot of buzz around FI, uh, IFRS international financial reporting standards I love to learn mm. um, so mm. for me this, this was an opportunity to pursue something again I, I had relevant um, academic or professional qualification in uh i was thinking in my mind i was thinking this was a launch pad to the big four so in terms of strategic mm. thinking also the decisions are not just out of the air it's been okay i've done seven years in this bank and i think i want to be a consultant so i want to teach now let's not forget that pastoral ambition which has now morphed, mm. morphed into consulting so i'm saying if I'm going to get there, I need this sort of experience. Uh, in getting this sort of experience, I have this qualification. If I work here, it sets me up nicely, you know, to get some 
a career with any of the big four accounting firms. You're talking of KPMG, PwC, Anderson, and, and mm. the likes. And this wasn't also too far from this uh, 2008 um, economic collapse. So it was mm. interesting for me. Like, Let me go see what's happening there. Uh, but it's government, right? I don't know if you've ever worked with government. Uh. <laughs> I, I have never, and, and I never tend to. <laughs> so it's government, and then you find out find out that all the energy you and born and expend in the corporate sector, where there's a lot of value on the play, they place a lot of emphasis on um, what you bring to the table, how you think, uh, uh, what what's your right. strategy. Here it was totally different you know i i mean it, it was like the worst few, it was like the worst few months of my life because i was so the only good thing was in that time because i had a lot of free time on my hands uh the, the agency was new we're still trying to mm-hmm. find our feet so i spent a lot of time reading um uh, reading and trying to collaborate and build stuff that was where i realized that hey dude you know you don't I mean, sometimes the path to success is not this employment. You can you can build stuff yourself. So if my friends are, I mean, a couple of my friends and I built things, which we did presentations mm. even up to the, the the regulators level, the central bank, but it didn't fly. Mm. Uh, mm. So I was there for five months, and then one day someone reached out to me from GT Bank. You know, that I'm interested in working with GT Bank, and I think I'd done an interview even before I left for Bank. And I'm like, you know what, mm. uh, let's give it a, a try. Uh, so mm. while I was in first bank, right, uh, I'm competitive again, keep that in mind. My biggest mm. challenge growing my payments product was this new bank at the time. I mean, you, I, I could say they were still new and young, then GT Bank. So for every presentation, mm. for every initiative I was thinking of, GT Bank was they were almost like a step. Um, I had, if they went ahead for every position mm. I went for, my my customers mm. would say, but GT Bank does this, even, you know, I think they brand. So, <laughs> when, so the, yeah. they were kind of haunting you everywhere. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so when I left First Bank and the GT Bank said, you know, are you, are you interested? It was like, oh, wow, this is an opportunity to see, to see how things are done on this side. Um, let me, mm. what's their secret sauce? So I accepted mm-hmm. the role. Um, initially, I, I was, you know, pivoting towards product, but I ended up in a relationship manager. But he, my time in GT was one of the best. Um, I could understand why they had so much brand equity. In terms of process efficiency, they blew my mind. Uh, because, yeah. you know, when, when, when you put a square peg in a square hole and everything just aligns there's no there's perfect synchrony you know there's no room for what if what it was so it was almost like wow mm. i don't have to stress mm. myself too much um everything i i liked the processes i liked the way they, they thought about business i liked the strategies and it just gave me room to grow right so uh, compared to a place where i did a lot of thinking here i spent less less effort thinking was strategizing now because I just I have the pillars for success so there um I also I was an RM and I remember my my teammates used to call me quality over quantity uh, because mm. I had this 80 mm. 20 rule why am I spending 80 mm. percent of my time um or you know chasing 
dead business when they can spend less time chasing big business or quality mm. transactions. So they always used to this mm. for me quality over quantity because I many of them was just this lazy. This it's not it wasn't a business. It's just that like, why do we like stress as human beings when we can be more effective if we if we actually design so so I I left the bank um because I was doing relationship management and it wasn't really my passion. My passion is products or process. Then system mm. specs in calling. I had been a product mm. manager for the payments product of, of system specs when I was in the bank. So when they offered me the chance to come be a business development manager for us, I, I jumped at it. My initial remit mm. was to grow across Africa. So I, I was so excited at the adventure. Okay, now I know Remita is dominant in Nigeria. Da, 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 da. So let's see how we can take this journey out of Nigeria to other parts of Africa. But I joined us at an mm. interesting time um, when the government was looking to be more efficient in terms of how they account for their revenues, how they collect it, and how it's reported, transparency. And so I joined at that time. Uh, so I was part of the team that worked on the, the, the product, uh, design modifications. I was part of the team that did that worked on uh, the 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 guidelines for how the overall scheme would work. I was engaged with many of the uh, ministries and agencies, training them, mm-hmm. you know, bringing them up to speed on how modern tech works and how it makes life easier. So essentially, what that scheme was about is the federal of Nigeria said, I don't want to go to commercial banks anymore. Uh, I all my money to me through which is the central bank of Nigeria. So they, we built this the product to connect directly to the banks, to the payers through various points. And then when you pay, rather than the money sitting docks in the commercial banks, the money moves swiftly from their their positions to the federal government's um, position. Um, mm-hmm. So that was what I, I, I did in Remita before, of course, flows away. Mm, yeah, flutter wave. Now we come to the the, the darling of uh, Africa tech ecosystem. So, so let's talk about so so, so was system specs a, a consultancy, software consultancy, building bespoke products, or did they have their own platform that they sold? What was the play at system specs? Just really quickly. So, system specs built uh, its own payment product called Remita. R E M I T A. Uh, mm. This is not a plug for them, <laughs> but it has to product that. It's it, 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 at the time, even now, it's one of the most fantastic payment um, products in the market. It's just again, you know, with different entities with different strategies for growth and for you know for for branding and for publicity. So they built they build and own a payment platform called Remita, which does both collections mm. and um, and mm. and payments for all types of businesses. So it wasn't consulting, mm. uh, but the consulting aspect always came in where, you know, there's it's one thing to sell, it's another thing to actually um, deliver. So, yeah. mm. Exactly. Mm. So mm. I can say to you, uh, Mark, I've got you, I can, look, I want to sell you a phone and then I sell you maybe some phone designed by B, but it doesn't meet your needs, but I've sold. Right. Um, where system specs comes in is, is to say, Mark, what's your actual need, right? What do you really want? Mm-hmm. Then 
uh, they look at what they have and try to tweak it and customize it to meet your your specific requirements. So that that's the consulting mm-hmm. side of their business, but it's a payment company through and through. Fantastic. So system so payment product with systems integration kind of services built on top of that. So it's interesting that you say different companies with different strategy and different publicity. And I want to dig into that a little bit, right? Because, you know, it's, you know, you have the pay stocks of the world. Uh, and was Remita, what, is that what you were thinking about when you were saying that statement? Or what, what did you mean by that statement? Okay, so, uh, well, I, I, I think it, uh, uh, it's a general statement in that um, uh, some some companies in fintech, we know we use a lot of different terms. We, look, we use the terms like growth hacking, we use terms like uh, mm-hmm. um, grow, growing organically and all, all whatnot. So for a company like Systems, like, who, had, who had a level of success right, in doing what they've been doing for years, uh, the, the focus at the time was delivering on this national project. Right? Um, all other growth um, imperatives were, I won't, they were not sidetracked, but they went on quietly. Uh, but the focus mm. was delivering on a national project, whereas um, you had a got it. Based, mm. Yeah, mm. so you had a face like I said that says, "No, look, I, I'm not looking to solve the government's problem. I'm looking to solve a problem right. for for SMEs or for businesses." So, you, in terms of how you approach them, you you deliver your messaging. You know, it's definitely going to be different. Got it. Got it. Very interesting. All right, then we came to then your next move was Flutterwave. So, how did how did that come about? How did you get introduced to the? Did you know the people before? How did you get introduced to the Flutterwave team? How did that happen? Uh, so, well, it was a. I, I, well, if you believe in luck, <laughs> so it was a. It was a chance. Uh, uh, destiny. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So exactly. You know, when everything you've been doing in life is preparing you for this um, opportunity. Right. I just. Right. I, uh, mm-hmm. Someone introduced me to one of the co-founders, uh, the current CEO, and then uh, mm. he requested for a meeting. Um, to, to be to be honest, right? Uh, as much as I love to think of how maybe um, cerebral and blah 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 be maybe, I'm also a mm. bit, let's just keep my let me keep my feet on the ground. So when GB reached out to me and said, "Hey, uh, let's have a chat and everything," um, at the time. Um, mm. I, I I think I recall doing a search on Google for Flutterwave mm. and you know I didn't see anything and mm. I had to click on I had to click on news mm. <laughs> to see to find stories <coughs> excuse me about Flutterwave and mm. I don't know but we met we spoke for whatever reason I just felt it was where I wanted to be um, mm. and so when I told my folks, my friends, even my pre-former boss, look, I'm going to this company called Flutter, which is a US company. Every normal person does the same. So they go to Google and search, and then they don't, they don't see the company, and they think they're insane. There's nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're selling you air, as my, as, my, as my father would say. You're, you sell air. <laughs> yeah, so they, they, they all think you're insane. That, okay. So they sit me down and talk, B, are you sure you're making the right move? My son was three months. So it was like, mm. are you sure you want to do this? You want to take this chance? I'm like, yes, I'm absolutely sure. It's a, I know when your mind is made up, 
some yeah, there's almost right. nothing that will change. Okay, yes, this is what they do. This is that, 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 that. Who mm-hmm. who are the clients, right? And I knew some. I mean, based off of my conversations with with GP, so I just thought it was a natural right move for me. Not just because it was a US company or anything, but I love disruption. I and disruption not for the sake of disruption, but anything that adds value and improves lives, that improves businesses, I'm all for it. So if you tell me today there's a better way to do temperature checks than you putting, you know, flashing one infrared thermometer on my head. If there's something that can do that, let's let's do it. How will it work, right? Is it, you know, I'm all for it. In as much as there is an intrinsic value to be delivered, uh, I think I lost you, Mark. So you know, when your mind is made up, it's it's, it's made up. You just want to do this new thing, and because you presented or represented disruption for me. Not disruption for let's just go and make trouble, but good trouble. As let's um, Louis used to say, let's make good trouble. Right. Good trouble in right. terms of this is how legacy payment systems work in in Nigeria, right, or across Africa, and mm. let's build stuff that changes the way people think about payments and change the way, uh, you know, we do business. Uh, so mm. the initial choice is oh, we want to simplify payments. We want to um, prior to that, right, I, I had a personal issue too, where I, I was building a platform and I went to one of the mm. big payment companies and I said, oh, I need access to your gateway. They gave me a bill of 1.5 million naira, which is in today's oh, wow. terms, yeah, which is in today's terms about, I'll say close to $4,000. And I'm thinking, mm. this, where is this broke young man going to get $4,000 to get a payment gateway? Right. right uh, then, Mm. So I went back and forth negotiating and they told me, okay, you know what, there's this option I can pay 50000 and about still have to do this and I don't code. Um, I would have mm. to, you know, it, it was just not making sense. So this was a personal thing that I thought, great, mm. I'm going to challenge this status quo through Flutterwave. Mm. But the more interesting thing was not just we're solving a Nigerian business problem, it's more of an African play. Uh, because when you look, as we mentioned earlier, look at the continent, there's several subsets, several pockets of solutions here and there that works for different people. MPSA in 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 Kenya, um, MTN Momo in Ghana. You go to Egypt, you're talking of Fori in in Nigeria. Where we have in, we have myriads of payment options in South Africa. There many of them are comfortable with cards. So when you're looking at Africa, it's almost like it's a headache. Right. Uh, right. So how when you want to do business, how to even get paid is the first problem you're thinking of. And in right. general terms, um, you look at you look at business from the point of view of commerce, payments and mm-hmm. logistics, right? Um, and I think uh, right. we've we've been able to address the first wave of commerce and then we've addressed mm-hmm. the, the, the second wave which is payments both. Okay. So so now you've 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 made up your mind, you're joining Flutterwave, uh, you can only find them in the in the uh, the only the only place you can find them online is in a news article. Uh, so what was day one like? A company that doesn't exist, it only exists in <laughs> in GB's conviction and, and your belief. So what was day one at Flutterwave like? <laughs> I still once in a while go to the office where it all started, the one room office, and I remember resuming and. Oh, GB says you have to get your own office. You have to HR going to send you 
a a laptop. So I was more or less like its first employee. Oh wow! Um, so, and then I I recall seeing the email that he sent to the co-founders um, introducing me, mm. and I saw the list of things I was going to be taxed with. In my mind, I said, "Jesus, I am dead." It's cut up. It's cut across um, operations, uh-huh. sales, support, uh, projects management, uh, partner <laughs> management. Like it was, you know, operations, expansion, compliance. So I was mean, like, what, what else is there? Just, <laughs> just <laughs> <know me. laughs> Yeah, basically take out, take out the trash. You know, feed, feed the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Change the diaper and everything. Yeah, so, but, but because um, I'm, I I just said, look, this is this is going to be fun. Um, let's mm-hmm. get down to it. So day one was me learning what tools do you use, you know. Um, of course, there, are, there were some existing integrations or conversations before I resumed with, uh, so... I know I spent the whole of day one reading through Slack, and mm. it, I'm I'm sure GB also remembers this. Uh, when he asked me um, what I'm up to, I said I'm I'm catching up on all the conversations <laughs> because right. getting some context here. Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. If you're going to do something, it's good to know where you've been, right, and where you are, and then d- determine what right. next from there. Mm-hmm. So. And then to catch up on all these historical and I then, you know, I need to ask the right questions, understand so I can set the right tone going forward. So the one was mostly catching up. And then, um, you know, whilst you're doing that, there's one customer who is already complaining about settlements or complaining about field transactions. And then I'm asking, who am I, who is going to deal with this? You know, and then I remember, oh, you're the support person at least at the moment. So <laughs> you pick the right. phone and try to troubleshoot. So, but then it started growing with GB's uh, guidance, with E's uh, inputs uh, at the time. So all of, and we went from, you know, one person, we became mm-hmm. two in the office. Then the, mm-hmm. I remember the finance guy joined, then the salesperson joined, then the QA person joined, customer support joined. It's grown from, mm. I mean, to what it is today, but with the right set of, set, um, sort of foundation and leadership. But the one was, it, as you can imagine, like you are the plumber, you are the gardener, mm-hmm. you, are the, you, are the, you are the cable repairman. And you, just, and you don't even have uh, excuses for all of this, but I don't right. back down from a challenge. So Fantastic. I have to, I have to just yeah. figure it out. So, so where, so what, where was the heart of the business? So it sounds like GB was in Lagos, or was he between uh, Lagos and Silicon Valley? Where was he located? How was the company? Where was the company located? Essentially, where was the brain trust? So, um, so, so originally, or oh, to, to today, um, HQ is in SF, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so GBE were alternating between Lagos and SF. Uh, mm-hmm. Because somehow, I, I, Nigeria represents one of Africa's biggest markets. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a need to get it right in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Before, before we extend the same thing in into other countries um there's this funny uh, i don't know if it's well maybe there's this belief that if you get it right in nigeria you should be able to with some few tweaks do it well in other countries so we need to ensure that Nigeria was right so there were always alternation between sf and you know nigeria and lagos mm. um tech 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 team mm. was mm. based in both places in both places Interesting. And by the time you joined, uh, so a couple of questions for you. The, the decision to, to locate in SF, was that, I can imagine maybe had some fundraising element to it, but is there anything more strategic there, right? But why would you set up HQ in SF for an African startup? I've, I've always wondered about that, but I always assumed it was a fundraising angle. Yeah. Good, good, good. good question and um, i think to today uh, my, my thoughts are it's more of a fundraising um angle one and two there was at the time if you talk about payment companies in africa or, or payment companies generally you you'd have you mentioned stripe right you'd mention mm-hmm. paypal you'd mm-hmm. mention braintree you'd mention uh, uh i think checkout is new you mentioned braintree you'd mention adn uh, and and the yields right, but if you so if you're looking to provide services, for instance, to an Uber in Africa, uh, this is me taking the conversion away from invest from investment or fundraising purposes. It's there was right. a mm-hmm. mentality, yeah. There was a mentality that where is this company from, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you say Africa, it's almost like it's almost like discounted. Uh, okay. Yes. Got it. Exactly. Right. So it was also strategic to ensure that we were able. So we also had this global player um, posturing, but also a continental uh, player um, advantage. For focus, I love it. Very strategic and uh, well thought out. Or clearly, you, you know, your founders are, uh, have the mindset of, you know, playing at that strategic level. Um, and so you joined in 2016. When was the company launched? Was it when? When was Flutterwave officially launched? What? What? When? What, what, what's? 2016. Um, 2016. If I recall the article very well, um, I think it was the first article I ever saw on Flutterwave was May 2016, where the uh, the okay. pitch. Um, to, yeah, but then so it was 2016. Set, registered set up in 2016. I joined in July. Mm. Also, mm. yeah, July, July twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. So, if you can, as as efficiently as you can, just walk us through what were the, what was the process for setting up and getting get, laying the foundation for the success that has followed. Uh, what were the things you needed, the dragons you needed to slay first in the business to lay the pipeline, so the the the, the infrastructure, so that everything else can go on top, right? Because you know everybody knows Flutterwave payments. Uh, across the continent. But what does that actually mean? What are the things that need to be layered so that this thing can actually come to life the way it has? Uh, okay. 
so one of the most important things we have, which we, we don't count as infrastructure, but it's important is the people, the people resource. You need to have mm-hmm. the right people. Uh, first of all, must believe in, in what you're trying to do. That's one. Mm-hmm. Two, is technology is more or less a commodity these days, mm-hmm. but you also need to be able to figure out how technology works optimally. Uh, because if we look at a pre-flutter, we've, there's always been Enterser, right? In, in, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's always been cards, there's always been furry. Build a system that harmonizes or unifies all of these payment methods into a single gateway. So having the people, having mm-hmm. the understanding of your ecosystem, of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, one of the biggest things in, in Africa is um, navigating the regulatory the regulatory landscape, yeah. Land, mm-hmm. I don't know if it, I don't I don't want to call it landscape, I'll say landmine. Landmine. <laughs> regulatory landmine. <laughs> yes. Because nothing is really clear. I mean so mm. so you have you have to do a lot of reading, a lot of questioning, a lot of asking, because mm. nothing everybody just says so um you read some regulations in some countries about payments. It's not clear what you're trying to say. Like you're, you're exactly. not sure whether you should do the business or not do the business. <laughs> it's very ambiguous. <laughs> exactly. So hmm. you you don't and then if you go to the regulators, they, they also give you a vague response, like just go and apply for the question is what do I apply for? Where do I do I need a license or do I need a license? You know? <laughs> yes, no clarity. <laughs> yes. So, 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 so that's one of the things we, I mean, as far as we needed to be able to, I mean, putting those things in place, the people, the technology stack, and then um, the, the, the understanding of navigating those regulatory terrains so that as far as business is concerned, we can operate. Those were the key issues mm-hmm. and so let's and let's talk a little bit about what flutterwave i guess product number one was was it to create a unified gateway that anyone in africa can plug into and make and receive payments irrespective of the underlying local payment solutions what what, what was the what was the play here or what what was the play at, at the time so um, the the play was charity begins at home sort of I mean that's I think it's a common African uh, maxim we all agree with mm. uh, it's even global charity begins mm. if I'm going to tell the world that we can solve payments I need to fix it first for for Africans right um, mm. so mm. the the play was let's let's simplify how Africans do business how they're able to do trade. And uh, when the world hears about what we're doing, they'll take notice and definitely come this way to to either partner or find ways, you know, to also invest in the ecosystem. So it was mostly let's solve our own problems. Nobody's going to solve it for us. Uh, yeah. So it was understanding that it we we followed that as had several messages over the years. First of all, I I recall one which is Africa is a continent, but make it feel like a country. Uh, it's it think global. So, but it was always about let's solve 
the Africans problem. And when you're solving the Africans problem, it's multidimensional. First of all, mm-hmm. he wants mm-hmm. to collect he wants to collect money. He wants to pay. And when he's paying, he's not only paying an African, mm-hmm. he also wants to pay foreign companies that he, he enjoys their services. He wants to he wants to mm-hmm. you know subscribe to to Spotify. He wants to mm-hmm. use his card on GoDaddy. Mm-hmm. So those were the things that drove product um, development um, at Flutterwave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what was the core solution? Were there? How did you solve all these variants of problems? What was the? What is behind the scenes? <laughs> how do you? How do you make this all come together? Technically speaking, uh, so what, what did you build? We, we, we built a, a payment. A, I would say one of the most um, intelligent um, and dynamic payment gateway solutions in terms of routing. Uh, because on the surface today, everybody sees. I don't know if you recall there was a time when the product was called Rave. Uh, before now, it's called everything has come under one umbrella to be called Flutterwave, you know, Flutterwave mm-hmm. Dash and the dashboard and all that. But it used to be called mm-hmm. Rave, the payment gateway. And then mm-hmm. there was something Flutterwave rolled out years ago. It was called Payme, mm-hmm. uh, which is a link I can send to you to make payments to me. Um, mm. Then there was uh, there was something called TriveSend, the Bata. Um, mm. All of these mm. were to showcase the infra the underlying infrastructure. The mm. underlying infrastructure mm. at Flutterwave's core is ability to mm. handle payments, and no matter how dynamic or complex it is. So every other thing you see is a is a is a well say POC to show. This is what our technology can mm. enable you achieve. So at its core, the, the mm. fundamental product it's is that payment engine that, that that was built or that has been built and is still being refined day in, day out. Okay, fantastic. So, and before we move over, move on from 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 Flutterwave, you know, uh, just a couple more questions. So, what was the difference in that? Because I, you know, people have been trying to solve payments in Africa since Flutterwave started and even before, what was the difference in this organization? Uh, what made the difference? Was it leadership? Was it the people? What, what was the secret sauce? If you could pick one thing, if you remove this one thing, nothing else works. What was the secret sauce here? The, the, the leadership, the people, the leadership, the people. And um, so I, I, when, when did you be mentioned it to me the first time we met right you, I, I mentioned I did say that there was this immediate um, attraction to the idea um, mm-hmm. it's the same, it was the same thing with almost everyone that came on board everybody wanted to solve a problem genuinely so we're not mm-hmm. solving problems because we want to make money right mm-hmm. so you know that's why I said in, in tech we talk about people solve problems for different reasons someone mm-hmm. to hammer that's a Nigerian balance you know when they hammer they want to make money I don't mm. want to blow. So they build things and they are thinking of, I'm going to sell it in one, two years. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't approach product design or problem solving from that perspective. Mm. I solve problems because I enjoy solving problems. That, that's my magazine, right? Uh, if you solve, mm. if you do something you enjoy, it always pays forward. 
and that's the that was the key thing about Flutter with that differentiated it from others. It wasn't just about making money. It wasn't this this new boys, this young boys mm-hmm. just want to do fintech. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. we were actually passionate about what we were doing, and mm-hmm. so there was that level of everybody felt ownership. I mean, I wasn't the founder, I'm not mm-hmm. any of the founder, but everybody felt a sense of ownership that I've got to ensure that this thing succeeds, Fantastic. not just for me, but because mm-hmm. of what we're trying to do. I love it. I, I, I love it very much. I mean, that's what that's what makes a difference. And a lot of times in Africa, we are, we come from, a, you know, our, our story has been about survival. So people are always trying to kind of, you know, put food on the table every day. Majority of Africans, that's a reality. That's kind of the, the narrative. And so solving problems because, you know, it is the right thing to do or because you're passionate about it, sometimes it it smirks of in our in our context can smirk of of privilege right you have to be able to be in a position you know yeah it's true you have to you have to be in a, true, in a true, position true. to make that decision right but you see there's yeah, no way you're yeah. gonna lean into the future if you're only surviving in the present and the fact that there are some people right now on the continent like yourself and myself and others you know your your coworkers at Flutterwave who could make the choice of leaning into the future and doing something of course. They have to have a salary and all that other stuff. But that's not the driver, right? The driver mm-hmm. was, let's actually move the needle. Let's actually w- walk boldly into the future we've imagined that we can create. And to me, that is how you, yeah. move, a soci- that's how you move a society forward. Without those people who can imagine the future and lean into the future and take that, 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 X, that X factor, it's, it's very difficult to build anything great, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's, you, you've got to... Like say, you've got to go beyond self. Like this is not what's for the greater good. Uh, right. And I, I, I like to say, if without sounding, um, without sounding, what's the word, um, bias or anything, I look at the white man a lot, and you see that that's what drives a lot of the growth in their society. It's right. It's um, service before before self. And that's exactly. the kind of culture, I mean, that we embrace in Florida with that service before self. And let me ask you a question. And comparing it now to the broader society, how, how would you say where things are in general? Uh, in Nigeria, has that mindset, where, from a percentage standpoint, that's a, that mindset of service before self, where is it right now? Uh, is it a, are you guys a total minority at Florida Wave and even across the ecosystem? How would you quantify uh, what, so, that? So when I when I look at the ecosystem um, these these days, right, uh, I'll say that that idea is still now maybe it's not service the first service, but it's more of let I just want to do something I enjoy doing. Uh, mm. If I'm enjoying and I'm making a change, let I mean let's see how it goes along. So. Ultimately, you might some my service as service before self, but the, my own sense of it is people are just doing stuff they enjoy doing, and I just start something because it makes it's fun to me. It makes sense mm-hmm. to my gang. Let's mm-hmm. build it. We enjoy it, and then let's just the way Mark started. You know, I don't I don't think he he wanted all of us to be in his metaverse initially. He was just doing something for himself and his friends, and he became oh. This could become the school intranet, you know, and so that's 
that that's the way things are evolving. I mean, right now, that's my my position that people are doing things that solve personal pain problems, uh, pain points. And when you solve a problem that affects you, the truth is there are other people that have that pain. So it's a natural extension, you know, for you to take that service to the broader market. But it's not really, like I said, ultimately, you some would define it as, yes, uh, it's service before self. Well, but, but service before self would mean that you're giving up some sort of privilege or, or something, you know, to do, to do stuff that actually does make an impact. So, yeah, that, that's my own sense of it these days. Uh, everybody's just doing stuff for fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And, and, and so you talked about uh, people have had a sense of ownership at, uh, at Flutterwave. And uh, from a sense of philosophically speaking, we all own the same problem. We have the same interest. But in a, mat- in a more material way, um, how did that – were there some uh, equity opportunities offered to employees? How did that play out? Is that something you can talk about? Um, I, I, I'd have to look at my <laughs> non-disclosure uh, for me, but I, I mean, that was something I can at least boldly share that uh, the sense of ownership not came not just from the pride of working for it, but because the company ensured and made sure that everybody walked away from, walks away from the table with something. That there's there's this popular thing we had in the company. Everything had this team. In the game, so that, the game. I, I think mm-hmm. that that's I think yeah, so I think that shows. I mean, I think I addressed that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fantastic, so fantastic. So you stayed there for two years, nine months, um, and then you moved on. And and this is my last question because, I mean, we are past an hour. I try to keep these things within 40, 40 minutes, yeah. forty five minutes. But this is such a, a you know pertinent story to where we are in our ecosystem right now. So I, I'm sure the audience will forgive us for continuing because they, I'm sure they're enjoying this. Hopefully, so. Two years, nine months. What? Why? 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 Why did that happen? Why? Why? Why did you move on from from Flutterwave? What was the impetus for that? Um, being loves to learn. Being loves new challenges. I wanted to go do something um, different. I've been mm-hmm. doing. Maybe I, I, at the time I got bored of of payments. Um, I've been doing payments for. I've been doing it since like two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Mm. And um, here we're 2019, and we, mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah. So I, I've done it in banks. I've done it. I've done it at different fintechs, and then Flutter with like Maybe I, I probably was bored, um, mm. and I was looking to just do something a bit different mm. in in the financial services space. I mean, there was no way I was going back to football. There was no <laughs> there was no way I was going into pastoring or medicine. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> I might as well just make use of the best opportunities available. I mean, what what else can I do in the financial services space that makes me more complete? Uh, I know payments uh, in and out, but what else after outside of payments? I know I know quite a lot about banking. I know quite a lot about regulations. But your whole life is financial service. So what else in financial services do you think you can make a play for? So that that's where. Um, the Oridian story came in there. Um, mm. And I liked the whole idea too. So, interestingly, Flutterwave, like I said, is a payment service provider. Their biggest strength, and I did mention, is the core, the technology, right? Mm. Uh, but if you look at finance, financial services as a whole, 
Flutter doesn't operate or exist in a vacuum. Mm. Um, what powers people like Flutter with in Africa are financial institutions, banks. Uh, so, and what enables those banks to be operational and effective is a core banking solution, right? So mm. that was how I looked at it in terms of value chain analysis. That okay, so I know how payment works from in the in, in from the perspective of financial service, but what enables payment to work? I mean, it, there are banks and there are people. Banks in, in payments, you know, we, we see them as acquirers. We see people like follow as processors. But there is something that enables banks run like smooth machines, and those are their, their core banking um, applications, their CBAs, which is mm-hmm. already and played. So I mm-hmm. also wanted to go in there and see how does this thing work? How does it enable um, a bank to be efficient? And then how is a bank able to extend its own services via APIs or whatever to um, allow people like Flutter with you know, also provide additional services. So I would say people like Oridian are what you call the iceberg. They're the guys you don't see. They're just there, you know, mm-hmm. enabling the people powering the ecosystem to function smoothly. Uh, when, when I think of Oridian, I think of people like Rails Bank. I don't know if you've heard of Rails Bank. So they are mm-hmm. infrastructure players are the base of what happens in the financial services space. Um, so that's that was the attraction for me. That you know what? Let, let, let me take a break from from payments and see what's happening beneath um, behind the scenes. Mm, fantastic! I love it. And then final f- final question for you: What other problems are there in in? And I'll kind of come back here into your wheelhouse in payments to solve. Right? If you were to build a payment solution today, number one, two questions in one: Would you build in not payments, but just general fintech. Let's broaden the the, the 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 aperture there. Would you would do you see opportunities in fintech worth pursuing, and what might those be? Final question for you. Um, cross border cross border payments. Um, so payments and collections are two sides of the same coin. Mm. Uh, so what I mean by that is, Mark wants to get paid. B needs to send money to Mac. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's a collection. For me, it's a remit as a transfer. Mm. And for, that's most likely what I would focus on because ultimately, if we're talking about uh, the AFC, uh, the after the, the agreement mm. and ensuring that Africa grows, right? And we encourage trade and mm. economic development within the region. I can look at it as collection, but it's more for me enabling cross-border remittances instantly right um, without all the legacy processes of um, the existing guys and i don't want to mention the energy the heavy hitters um, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the card the card the, the card schemes let me just mention the card schemes and all of that but i would want to build something outside of legacy systems because it takes time for those things to move but right. that delivers value cross-country instantly. Uh, I think that's what I would want to do. I wouldn't worry my so much about payment gateways uh, because in as much as I'm solving cross-border trade, I'm doing the same thing. It's just a different name. Fantastic. Hey, Bingy, thank you so much for taking the time to to, to speak with us. Uh, your wisdom, I'm sure, and experience is going to be super valuable to so many people. So thank you for taking the time to be here today. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me.